Well, you're all very welcome to the Mayo GA talk shop and thankfully we do have an All-Ireland semi-final to look forward to. It is going to be Mayo versus Tipperary on Sunday. Of course, we will be continuing the build-up here on the Saturday Sports Show throughout the show. And to do so, I'm delighted to say I'm joined once again by Mike Kelly. Mike, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Quivin. You yourself have uh, plenty of skin in this game, more so than other matches Mayo have played this year and in the past as well. Your uh, allegiances to Tipperary as uh, prescient as well to uh, to Mayo. How are you thinking leading up to this game? Are you going to be supporting more of the blue and gold? Do you just want to see a tight game? Or does the Mayo man take over and you want to see this James Horan side exercise all of its might on the wide expansive field of Crow Park? Oh, it's absolutely Mayo. It's, there's, there is no even consideration about it I mean the the biggest benefit of this semi-final is on the 19th of September I have a team in the All-Ireland Final I, you know, I have a vested interest in the All-Ireland Final this year which is great but there is only one team that I actually want to see there and that's Mayo I, you know, I want Mayo to go out and like you say exercise all their might show that these one point win over Galway and the, the, the 15 minutes of poor performance against Roscommon and that were just you know knocking the cobwebs out of the system go out and do to Tipperary or whoever it would have been in the All-Ireland semi-final what they have done to the likes of Donegal and Tyrone over the years and absolutely annihilate them in the in as you say in the wide expanses of Crow Park because there is you know that history of James Horne's teams going to Crow Park certainly in quarter-finals you mentioned it there those games against Donegal and previously as well as was against Tipperary when they are geared towards playing up in Dublin at the latter stages of the All-Ireland series, it really does seem to bring the best out of them. Okay, never mind what happened perhaps in, in, in any final, but they do seem to really enjoy the quarterfinals, semifinals, as it's going to be tomorrow, to really strut their stuff. Yeah, although usually that's, you know, August Bank Holiday weekend, lovely sunny weather, a couple of beers on board for the supporters and all that. There's, there's a real festival feel around the old quarterfinals and the semifinals of the championship that obviously for... A myriad of reasons are not going to be there this time around and I don't see th- there being as free-flowing and open of football as we might hope for had this game been being played in, in, in August or in July or that, that time of year because you know it's, the, we, the weather for the weekend I believe is not meant to be great if it was played on any other pitch other than Crow Park there may even be threats of is it going to go ahead with the weather that's predicted but obviously Crow Park can handle all sorts of weather uh, you know, you could have rain, the cold, all sorts of things like that will, will factor in that it's going to really feel like a National League game in, at the end of January. You know, that first, second round of the, of, the, of the National League that's usually under lights on a Saturday evening and Dublin up against Tyrone or something like that. And it's a, it's a somewhat entertaining but relatively low-scoring game. We could see something like that coming on Sunday. Um, or we could see, you know, Mayo open up. This is a chance for a lot of players there to... Not playing Crow Park for the very first time, but for the first time in senior football, guys like O McLaughlin, uh, Tommy Conroy, guys like that are going to stretch their legs out in Crow Park and really get a feel for the place, hopefully ahead of an All Ireland final. And it is fortunate too, you know, Tommy Conroy, Oshin Mullen, they don't have that underage pedigree or the experience as well. You know, they haven't really had much of a chance also, but they have won All Ireland finals, I believe. You know, part of the Ballon Robe team that won the All Ireland B. Owen McLaughlin similarly too with the Hogan Cup and from Westport they know their way around Crow Park it's not going to be a totally brand new experience and as you mentioned in our very first talk shop Mike you said that 
no fans is going to benefit Mayo. Now this week, we have James Horne and Stephen Cohen echoing the same thing. They say the usual anxieties that are there during matches with the, I suppose, the fervent atmosphere that Mayo fans bring that can often fall silent. The players feel that the communication is a lot better. They can think much more clearly and the performances on the pitch seem to show that. Yeah, and look, let's be honest, no more than lots of other counties, Mayo fans can get on the players' backs when, you know, if, if a couple of passes go astray or a few wides in a row, you take those 15 minutes against um, Roscommon. Had there been a crowd in, in Hyde Park that day, you would have started hear, hearing the grumblings of, you know, oh, why is he taking that shot? He needs to pass, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's gone. And look, James Horne is right. As much as a lot of Mayo fans would not like to hear it, and they didn't like to hear it back in, was it 2014, I think, when he said about the Iron final after Andy Moran's goal and the crowd went anxiously quiet which I was just as guilty of you were stung so many times before that you didn't believe it could happen that if you take those kind of things away and for the new guys for the Ushin Mullins the Tommy Conroys the Owen McLaughlins etc their first time out properly in Crow Park for a big big game is not under the watchful eye of maybe 50-60,000 people under that the stress of having to perform in front of 50-60,000 people the only thing different from playing in an empty Hyde Park or an empty Pier Stadium to playing in an empty Crow Park is that the stands are taller it's still a pitch there's still no fans there It's you're still going to hear it's like playing in Swinford or Lahardon you're going to hear the guy at the other end of the pitch what he's saying none of that kind of stuff changes you're not going to have 50-60,000 people on your back if you make a mistake be it your own fans or the opposition fans and you're not going to walk out and go, oh my God, look at all these people. I've never seen this before from this, from down on the pitch and all that. That is all taken away. So it should be just go out, play football as if you're playing in, in Westport or Clemaine or whatever other pitch it might be. Do you feel that that would be a reason for the, I suppose, the quick addition of these newcomers, your own McLaughlin's, Ushin Mullins, Tommy Conroy's, Ryan O'Donoghue's, Mark Moran also, that they have been given that freedom and space I know a lot has been made as well, you know, if perhaps if Mayo had won the Connacht under 20, they'd be involved in the All-Ireland final, semi-final by now. They wouldn't be involved in the senior setup. There would be fans there. There would maybe be more emphasis on the senior players. But now you're looking at it, you know, Oshin Mullen has played three games in of championship football now. Same with Owen McLaughlin and Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy. They're building up that experience and they're partnered as well with very experienced players. I think it was Colm O'Rourke on the Sunday game said that Mayo looked good with these new players like Stephen Cohn. Stephen Cohn, who has 32 games played in championship football. You know, there is plenty of experience right throughout that squad and it's perfectly kind of looking like it's a well-balanced operation. Yeah, I think it's forgotten just when you mentioned Stephen Cohn. You know, he made his debut, I think, the same day as uh, Jim O'Connor. Jermitt has captained the team. He's you know two two time I think young player of the year. He's considered a staple in the team. Whereas Stephen Cohen, there still has he cemented his place and all this kind of stuff. You know, personally, I think Cohen cemented his place about three years ago. And you know, you say there are thirty two championship games. It's phenomenal for a guy that people still think is breaking through and is a new guy in the team. And you know, th- there is experience in that Mayo team. I think every line in the team, bar midfield, has. A relatively new player, you know, you've Ushie Mullen in the full back line, you've McLaughlin in the half back line, you've Conroy in the uh, full forward line, and then you've probably O'Donoghue or Mark Moore or someone like that in the half forward line. Midfield, you have Loftus and um, Ruan, who both, while 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 neither probably has 
I think Rowan only has about six championship games. That was down to injury more than anything else last year. And Loftus then has about 20 or thereabouts, I'd say, that, yes, there's not great experience there, but they're very good footballers. And, you know, you can make up for the lack of experience if you're a good footballer. So I don't think this idea of, oh, yes, it is a Mayo team in transition. It's a Mayo team in transition with guys who have played a lot of football. These are the guys who were coming off the bench for years and making an impact on games and are now finally starting in the matches. They've nailed down those places. And it means, while we have yet to really see it, it means the bench is extremely, extremely experienced. And James Horn can turn to Keith Higgins, Colin Boyle, or Colin Boyle um, Tom Parsons, guys like that, if and when he needs to. Now, so far, he feels he hasn't needed to. Time will tell whether we do actually see them for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think the strength and depth is a major change to this Mayo setup. We've never really seen anything quite like it. It is verging towards the Dublin standard. And looking at the strength and conditioning as well of these Mayo players, it is quite clear that you know Dublin do lead the way in terms of how they condition their stars. Conor Callahan is you know the prime example of it. It seemed almost overnight he became just a huge beast of an athlete from a very slender sort of skinny uh, hurler and footballer from before that. But this Mayo team do have all of that experience right across the park, as you're mentioning. And the most surprising thing that kind of came out from uh, Ender McGrady put up through the Mayo GA blog, he compiled all the championship games that the Mayo players have, have played in. And Conor Loftus has played 23 championship games. You know, he's been around for quite some time. He scored some very important goals. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone would remember as well the, the goal against Derry, the excellent pass for Andy Moore in Crow Park. You know, some really top-class moments that that have come from him. Would you be expecting maybe a change in the midfield? Tom Parsons to come in, Conor Loftus pushed to 11. Do you see Hoare maybe making some sort of tweak to the side like that? I, I definitely think it's possible. It's, it's, it's one I'd like to see if Tom Parsons is 100%. I know he was, he was on the bench against Galway and now has a couple of weeks more training under the belt. If he is at full tilt... He's the guy I'd love to see at midfield as that kind of midfield general, so to speak, you know, directing traffic and being that experienced head just around that part of the field. And with Loftus pushing forward to the half forward line, as I think in 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 a, in, in a central position, we've seen with Loftus that he has the skills and the scope of the whole pitch to pull out passes and make runs. Whereas I seen it said the other day, and I fully agree with it, when he's played on the wings or in the corner, He's penned in by a sideline. There's just there's less room to work with. And he's the kind of player... Every cross line of forward grew up watching Kieran McDonald. They all want to be Kieran McDonald. They all play that style of football. Okay, not to the same level because nobody can. But they do their best at it. So therefore, these guys, they almost need to be played centrally so that they're not penned in by... You know, they're not given a... A, an opposition defender the advantage of well I have the sideline behind him I only have to look after one side of him or, or, or whatever it might be and we've seen now at Loftus in a centre position he is playing much better football Tipperary of a very strong midfield my big fear going into this game is Colin O'Reardon because he can make absolute hay against the Mayo midfield and my my other big fear is that James Horner is going to put Aidan O'Shea out in him and Aidan O'Shea is going to be running ragged after five minutes and is going to be gasping for air for the rest of the match because while he might be able to compete with O'Reardon in the air, he cannot compete with him on the ground because O'Reardon just... He's, for one thing, he's about six years younger than O'Shea and he has the strength and condition of a professional athlete 
and he's playing for the Sydney Swans. He's not just some Irish guy out there. He's on the Sydney Swans starting team. He's that he's that good at that at that sport at that level, and he's brought that over. And we saw against Cork, he was absolutely phenomenal in that match. He was a major reason why they won that game. Himself, Quinlivan, and Sweeney were the three main reasons they won that match. There was many other players around the pitch that played very well, but they were the three main guys. So I'd like to see Parsons, if he's fully fit, going up against him. Now again, he may not be able to compete with him on the ground. There may be no Mayo player who can actually compete with him other than to shadow him like a Lee Keegan or a Paddy Durkin might be able to do. But Parsons probably is the best bet of go up against him for the kickouts and and, and that time of the match and then just let someone else shadow him. You, you get yourself free, maybe as an extra man. Let him off and Keegan or Durkin or something like that will go with them. But there is a lots of ifs and buts about that and a lot of who's taking them now, what's your role, what's my role, all that kind of stuff that you'd hope if Mayo do go that way that they have worked on it. Do you think there are elements of Mayo's play that could be exposed up in Crow Park? Because while the results have been good, the performance also have been positive throughout all of the games that Mayo have played since the restart. There have been some well noticeable gaps in the defensive line. Teams do seem to be still able to carve through the Mayo defence perhaps not at the same rate as before, but it is still there. And when you go to Crow Park, it's very, very hard to, to try and shut teams down with such so much space available. Is that something that, that is going to worry you, that if Mayo maybe don't have the upper hand early on, it's quite cagey up to the first half, then it's a situation where you would be looking at a Mayo defence that could be run ragged very quickly by the players you mentioned, O'Reardon, Quinlevin and Sweeney. It's possible. I mean, you know, one of the things we love about watching Mayo is watching the the halfbacks in particular, and sometimes the cornerbacks bomb forward. And you know, there's not much Mayo fans love more than a, a Lee Keegan or a Paddy Durkin point or a goal in Crow Park. There's something special about seeing them. But it does mean when they bomb forward, there is that space at the back because you know the guy they were marking maybe didn't go with them, so he stays up. Quick kick out. Keegan or Durkin or whoever it might be is, is taking out play and at the moment we have four players who do that you have Keegan, Durkin, McLaughlin and Oshin Mullen and they're all very good attacking options but it does mean when they bomb forward guys have to drop back and I do wonder do we have the players there to drop back I mean in midfield with Ruan and Loftus neither of them are natural drop in and, and hold a role whereas I think Parsons can or Shami O'Shea definitely can they can drop maybe back to six and Cohen moves out or whatever might, might need to be done again the half forward and the full forward line the players just aren't there to think defensively they're attackers and they, they should be attackers that's that's what we need but it is where Mayo can get caught if these guys bomb forward and they get turned over which granted is rare but even if they score or hit a wide and a kick, quick kick out is taken it does mean the likes of a Sweeney or a Quinlivan or, or an O'Riordan around the middle of the pitch can certainly get a run at a, what could be a, a, a Mayo defence with holes in it and that is that is a worry. I think Sweeney and Quinlivan are the two main guys Mayo need to worry about because they get the scores. They got, I think, 12 points against Cork between the two of them. If you can even cut that in half, there's not enough scores in the rest of the Tipperary team to make up for it. They need those two to be hitting 10, 12, 14 points across the game. Now, no matter how well you do on them, they're both going to score you know, three, three or four points each. That's just... Good footballers do that even on a bad day, even if the defender's having a fantastic game. You think of how well Lee Keegan did on Enda Smith a couple of years ago in Crow Park, and I think Smith still ended up with about three points that day. But, it, you know, they're between freeze and everything else. These guys will, will get and will take chances. But you just have to cut out those chances. Man mark those two. The rest of the Tipperary forwards tend to do what 
what a lot of Mayo backs do and they roam around the place. The likes of Fox, guys like that, they, you know, they can pop up anywhere on the field. And if you can have, say, an Owen McLaughlin marking Fox and he's popping up in his full back line, that means Owen McLaughlin's popping up near the other posts, which means he, you know, it's an extra attacker. I think Mayo need to drive home that advantage while trusting maybe Chris Barrett and probably Lee Keegan to keep the two main scoring threats for Tipperary quiet. Do you think Tipperary will be naive enough to allow Brian Fox play as a sweeper named as a corner forward? You know, you mentioned there, Mayo defenders would make hey, It doesn't matter who's on him. They all have a, some sort of attacking talent. You'd look at Ushin Mullen. If he was given a free roll around the field, it could be, you know, superstar status coming towards him. Are we, you know, looking at this maybe too simply? Could we see a huge surprise coming from the Tipperary bench We've seen already they have masterminded a very historic Munster title win. I'm sure they're not going to be happy just sitting on their laurels, resting for a while, based on one achievement. They seem to know their way around the tactics of the game and they will know Mayo quite well, having played them twice in the past few years in the Championship. So there is some understanding of each other. Do you you expect any sort of rumblings coming from your Tipperary sources, Mike, that there could be some sort of surprise like that? Um... No, not really. I think Tipperary will kind of trust in their own system. Now, they will probably, you know, if they were to realistically look at, 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 at Mayo, and like you said, they, you know, Mayo Tipperary in the last five years has become one of the eminent GA fixtures. You know, it's, it's like Mayo in Dublin, or, or that it's, it's one that seems to be popping up now a couple of times, having, I think, popped up once in the previous 70-odd years or something like that. Um, but I do think, like, I think Brian Fox, I think there is only one way to use Brian Fox and it is, he's not a, an out and out corner forward he's a grafter he's the guy that gets under he's like I think what Conor Loftus is very good at he gets under the midfield and the breaking ball and he just suddenly pops out of a ruck like a scrum half and he's gone and Tipperary are on the attack or, or Mayo in, in Conor Loftus' case and I think Fox will do that I do think Tipperary will, will maybe try to line him up with Stephen Cohen because I think if you are going to roam the pitch, the one Mayo defender you wouldn't mind roaming the pitch with you is probably Cohn, maybe Barrett as well. One of those, one of those two. Uh, but any of the others, if Brian Fox brings, like you say, if he brings Oshin Mullen past the halfway line, or if he brings uh, Paddy Durkin past the halfway line, it's an extra attacker for Mayo. I know, yes, it's an extra defender for Tipperary, but the advantage there goes to Mayo. Now the only thing is, is that if if Fox does what he does best and can turn the ball over and get Tipperary on the attack. It does mean that a Mullen or a Durkin or whoever it is is caught out of position, and when when we could do with them being back, you know, for, for any Tipperary attacks. But I don't see anything major coming out of Tipperary. You know, I just think that they, they you know, their their manager, um, got his name Skessy now, is it David David Power? Like he's he's one of minor All Ireland. He, you know, a lot of these players were involved in the Under Twenty One final against uh, Tyrone. Was it about five years ago? Which I still maintain they should have won. Uh, you know, Mayo are coming in with guys who've won minor All Irelands and won an, un- an Under Twenty One All Ireland. So they're two teams with relatively similar experiences and success at underage football. They know each other well, as you say, from from playing each other. But the managers are different. The last two times Mayo played Tipperary, Stephen Rochford was in charge, and I think in charge of Tipperary was Liam Curran's both times. James Horan played against Tip back in 2002, I think. It was a picture in the paper this week, the old Staunton's Intersport jersey and, and the old Finch's jersey on Tipperary. It was that long ago. Uh, or as David Power has never come up against 
Mayo. He he's never even come up against. He, he, this is first year in charge of Tip. The best team he's come up against is Cork. Take from that whatever you want. You know, between league and championship, they played Cork twice, lost by a point and won by four the last day, and were far were far far better. But he has yet to come up against. You know, he didn't come up against Kerry. He's never come up against Dublin, Mayo, Donegal, any of these teams. That many Tipperary managers do come up against those teams, bar your Corks and your Kerrys. So whether you know he might be caught out tactically by what could be a better manager, whether he could prove himself to be a better manager than James Horan and will pull out some sort of tactics that nobody sees coming. A bit like Mayo a few years ago when Barry Moran played sweeper against Donegal. Nobody saw that coming. And then, you know, it worked to perfection. So we'll see if Tipperary have entered up their sleeve, but I personally don't think they... I won't say I don't. It's not that I don't think they haven't up the sleeve. I just think they will trust in what worked against Cork, and they'll go for it again. Looking at that Munster final against Cork, it was quite clear how David Power had faith in his bench, maybe because he had to. You know, Tipperary looked like they were out on their feet come the end of that game. They really expounded so much of their own energies into trying to get a performance and get a result, which they did in the end. Is that going to be the ultimate difference, as it oftentimes is between Mayo and Dublin? It's just that tier one, tier two issue where you have the better strength and conditioning, you have the fitter players and you have the stronger bench. It's it's double jeopardy for the opposition and the weaker counties where they cannot match that. Even if they do have a great day, have a great first half, ultimately by the time it's the water break in the second half, there will be huge differences in the conditioning and the fitness levels of the players. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, as... as, as um as good as I think Tipperary will play on Sunday, and as much as I do believe they'll push Mayo, I think it's 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 one of the classic examples of uh, they'll do well for 40, 45 minutes, and then you know Mayo will will pull away. I think you know going into the at the start of the second half, there may only be a point or two in it. Tipperary might even be ahead. You go back two years when when Mayo played down in Turles, I think Tipperary were ahead at halftime, and I know Mayo won by eight points in the end. But regardless of what I've read online during the week. It was a fluke of a goal by James Durkin that turned that game around. Mayo were not... okay. they were probably going to win the match. They were not hammering Tipperary that day until that James Durkin goal went in and suddenly they got a spring in their step and it just sucked the life out of Tipperary and they conceded 1-8 without reply. You could see something similar happening on Sunday where Tipperary are really and truly in the game. They have nothing to lose. Every year since 1935, a Tipperary team has gone out with the main aim of winning a Munster title and then maybe an All-Ireland might follow. In the last 40 years, it's really just been the Munster title. It's, let's try and win that, and you know that, that's a great season. They've finally done that. They've gotten that monkey off their back. This team could go on and win two or three Munster titles. Depends how what, what Kerry are like over the next couple of years. But I think they, they, they've proven they're probably the second best team in Munster heading into next, next year anyway. If not the best, as they'll probably say themselves when they have the title in their hand. Um, but it does mean that Sunday becomes a bit of a free hit for them. No one expected them to be in an All-Ireland semi-final. They probably didn't expect it themselves. When Cork beat Kerry, they probably thought, we have a great chance. And then they almost lost to Limerick themselves. Uh, probably should have lost to Limerick only for that fantastic uh, score by Conor Sweeney. And it do, it just means you, there's, there's no pressure on them. If they go out and lose by 10 points against Mayo, it's, well, of course, you're, you're Tipperary. You're supposed to lose by 10 points to Mayo. And, if you know... It, on the flip side, it's with Mayo. It's, oh, did you only beat them by ten points? You know, uh, Dublin would have beaten them by thirty. You know, there's this kind of argument as we've seen over the last few weeks of oh, people tweeting this is why Donegal and Dublin will win the All Ireland and Mayo won't because they're not hammering teams. A win is a win at the end of the day, but that lack of pressure on Tipperary. If they do go out and get absolutely hammered, 
nobody in Tipperary is going to necessarily, they'll be disappointed. But by Sunday evening, it's going to be at the pubs open again. Let's go and properly celebrate that Munster title. You know, that's that's what it's all about. Uh, my uncle down Tip sent a text and he said he'd given uh, given one hand to be at the Munster final. Five minutes for the end, he said, I'd give both hands to be at the Munster final. That was their All-Ireland. You know, everything from now on is a bonus. And that can be where they're dangerous because they can go out and just go, hell for leather, go for it. They know at the end of the day, they're not going to win in All-Ireland because either Mayo or certainly Dublin would beat them in one of the two games in Crow Park. But if they were to go out and beat Mayo and get into an All-Ireland final, on the 100th anniversary, you know, 1920, Bloody Sunday, we've seen what happened on the on the hundred and the actual 100th anniversary of it. The All-Ireland that season, granted it was played it was 20 months later in 1922, was Dublin Tipperary. For our sake, we'll be hoping that history doesn't uh, repeat itself. And certainly with the other semi-final, we'd be hoping that history doesn't repeat itself as well. It may be a Mayo-Cavan final. That, that would be something special and, and something different as well, I suppose, And uh, in, a, in what year to have it in as well in 2020. Just in terms of of a prediction, Mike, before I let you go, you seem to be quite confident of a Mayo win. Where do you see that coming? Which players do you think will contribute to that? I think it'll be the main guys. You know, Killian O'Connor, you could see him finishing the game with you know, seven, eight, nine points. You know, he he hasn't. I don't think he's played in club. Did he play against Dublin last year? Maybe, but nobody from Mayo really play, covered themselves in glory that day. We usually when Killian gets to Crow Park, you know, he tends to kind of open up and he gets his his seven, eight, nine, maybe one seven, eight, nine a, a, a game. You could certainly see that uh, this Sunday. I think if Aidan O'Shea is left at full forward, I do think you now as dangerous as it is, half an eye has to be on a potential All Ireland final. Because this is the only run out in Crow Park you're going to get before an All-Ireland final. That if you are going to play Aidan O'Shea in full forward against Dublin or Cavan, then you need to do it in the semi-final as well. You can't turn around with a two-week turnaround before an All-Ireland final. You can't suddenly make it work. Stick him in full forward. I want to see him left in there personally for at least 40, 50 minutes. If it's not working, if it's clearly not working, okay, make a change. But go back to the Sligo game a couple of years ago in the Connor final. You know, Aidan O'Shea full forward that day was absolutely phenomenal and we've never really seen it since. The Dundagall game the next day out was probably the last time we really saw it where he played it full forward for the full match. And you know he made hay that day as well. He got a great goal and he set up a lot of scores. With the offensive mark, I think you know he can get three or four points if the ball into him is good. But also, when he's in there, there's only one man marking Killian O'Connor. There's only one man marking Tommy Conroy. When Aidan's not in there, there's an extra defender back there for these guys. Or you make the mistake like against Galway where you're bringing a better defender or a guy who's maybe a better attacker than he is defender out the pitch. That Galway cornerback, was Kelly I think was his name, he had a great day in Salt Hill because Aidan O'Shea brought him out the pitch and then he went, good luck to you, I'm heading off I'm heading off towards your goals. And he nearly got that goal as well, which we wouldn't even be sitting here talking about in All-Ireland semi-final if it were to have gone in. All right, that's where we must wrap up. Michael Kelly, thank you very much for joining us here on the Saturday Sports Show and enjoy tomorrow's game.